You're listening to the Teen Wolf Rewolf. Hello. Hi. I feel like I just yelled at you. Hello. <laughs> Hello. 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 Hi, Wolfpack. How's it going? It's me, Christian. <laughs> And and I'm Julia. We're getting to that really quickly. No, no, no. No, that was just me saying hello. Oh, okay. We'll get to the intro later after well, I think of something okay. funny and witty and topical to say about my day. No pressure. Um, no. I did read an article, though. Well, this is actually following up from a previous discussion about how people are behaving badly. Time put out an article today about why people <laughs> are so rude right now. Um... I don't know. It's like when you have to re-socialize like feral kittens. Yeah. They don't want you to touch them. Yeah. So you have to do it with like a rubber, you know, brush first. Uh And then your real hand. I too am a feral kitten (laughs) who does not want to be touched. Don't touch me. Don't touch me. Yeah. In fact, don't look at me. Even better. Yeah. I wish not to be perceived. I feel like uh, in terms of feral kitten who you have to pet with a rubber brush, the number one person I'm thinking of is Liam. (laughs) Liam Dunbar <laughs> is a feral kitten that you have to pet with a rubber brush. He's even got the long hair that yeah. stands up on it. He looks like he like he looks like he's about four seconds from Scott like scruffing him and banging <laughs> him on the neck and carrying him somewhere. Uh, my mom is one of those moms who constantly carries a brush with like ponytail holders on the handle in her purse, and she would be the kind of person who would like pull it out and like give it to him. Oh. Like I need you to fix your hair. <laughs> no, my parents just let us all run around like little ragamuffins, <laughs> and then I like didn't like brushing my hair, you know, because nobody <laughs> made me do it. And my mom would be like, "Christian, go brush your hair. You look like nobody loves you." And I'd be like, "You let me run around looking like a rat for like my whole childhood." <laughs> well, what's more upsetting about that is that you grow up and you realize you're not supposed to brush your hair. Wait, what? Oh, because I have curly hair. Yeah. Yeah. Not that anybody knows that. It is a big it's a secret. secret. It's a huge secret. No one's allowed to we know. We got four years into college, and it rained on my way to class. <laughs> four years into college, it rained on my way to class. My hair completely curled. And my hair isn't super curly, but it's wavy. Mm-hmm. And people who had seen me every day for four straight years were like, you curled your hair. And I was like, oh, no, it's it's actually wavy. And they were like, it's what? What? <laughs> Wait, hold on. We're seniors right now. And I was like, I am a great secret keeper. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, I know that because we live together. Yeah. But I, I feel like in terms of hair, like Liam is kind of like rocking like a hockey flow. Would love mm-hmm. to see him get a perm. Interesting. Interesting. Just to see. Just to see. Just to know, you know? I... I feel like that conjured up a bunch of really negative images for me. Well, I'm mostly picturing, like, the really sort of ugly, like, 80s mullety curly hair. Uh-huh. That's what I'm picturing, specifically. With a Letterman jacket. Yes. Mm-hmm. hmm Yep. Yeah. Anyway, you're listening to the Teen Wolf Real Podcast, a podcast where we had to get through all of that before <laughs> I announced this. My name is Christian. And I'm Julia. And we are talking about Season 6B, Episode 8, Genotype. Yeah, I'm, I'm still, we watched the episode, I'm still not 100% sure what the title had to do with the with the episode. Um, I only can know that they were doing like plant squares in biology. I guess. That seems like a stretch. A yeah. reach, if yeah. you will. I also feel like punnet squares were for like middle school. I feel like you don't really do them later. I actually distinctly remember doing them in freshman year biology. 
Mm. And Liam is not a freshman. No. So, I don't know. Biology is like not a senior class. It is usually done in your first two years of high school. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Proof well, this- that the Teen Wolf writers are old. <laughs> We're like this happens in a high school, yeah, just not the way you think. Um, There's always like um, urban legends about somebody figuring out they're like adopted from a Punnett Square. Yeah, can you imagine? I have like several traits that make it impossible for me to not be my parents' kid, mm-hmm. particularly my chin. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I think if um, I were adopted and it was like a new teacher. I think I would do that just to fuck with them. Oh my god, I totally would. Make them feel really bad. People used to always ask, like, oh, did you and your twin ever switch places in high school? And, like, me and my twin have never dressed or worn our hair or done our makeup the same ever in our lives. And it's like, I do feel like we wasted the opportunity by asserting our independence. You could have pulled some really high-stakes shenanigans. Some parent trap level shit. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well. Uh, we could have been the Zach and Cody of our high school. <laughs> if there were not 10 sets of twins in my graduating class, that that title actually had to be split <laughs> between all 10 of us. That is crazy. And by 10, I mean 20. Yeah. Wow. Yep. 10 sets. Yeah. That's nuts. Yep. Um. Anyway, this episode <laughs> was written and directed by Joseph P. Gagnier. I had thoughts about the directing. I thought it was good. Yeah. The writing was... Um, okay. St- it was standard teen welfare. I thought it, I actually was worried that it was going to be a lot more hectic than it was, but I thought it was pretty straightforward. There wasn't a bunch of like jumbled garbage. It just Mm -hmm. wasn't a very action heavy or plot driven episode. I agree. We work with what we get here on the Teen Wolf Free Wall. At at this point in the season, I feel like a lot of this is feeling really repetitive to me, um, which I don't dislike. But nothing really happened in this episode. Yeah, it's funny. I feel like normally we're complaining that they don't bring stuff up enough for us to like understand that it's supposed to be significant. And right now they're beating us over the head with the haves can't touch. They, they can't touch. Cool. I, I can't get it. <laughs> um, yeah, but no explanation as to like what's going to happen except for like a catastrophe, which thank you. I could have figured that out on my own context clues. Yeah. I assumed, but... <laughs> I, I didn't assume it was going to be good. Cause so. you know, anytime something like that happens in Beacon Hills, it means like the world's going to end. Yeah. So could you be a little more specific? I will say this episode was a slight break from the politics, which was nice. Cause I didn't have to think about it. Mm-hmm. I got to pretend that this season didn't do all that stuff. So well, we really are coming up upon no think November. I refuse to be so, thinking. Yeah. I'm ready for Goodbye. it. <laughs> um, so before we get too deep into this episode, we do have to do our 60 second recap. It is an even number episode. So you are going first. Mm, wonderful. Yeah. I, I realized that inside <laughs> a deep breath of relief because um, I didn't want to go first. Uh, my plot notes are really minimal, but I feel like I didn't look at them until just now. So... We'll see what happens. Cool. So on your market set, go. Okay. So there's a voicemail from one of the primal cell phones and the kids think that um, that might be the Anukate. So they're like, we have to go figure out um, who she is and then we have to keep them from reuniting. Um, the girls are trying to revive Halloween to find out like how to kill him. Theo and Mason go into the tunnels, but everyone's too scared to go back to look for him. Liam and Scott call the number back and Liam realizes that it's the biology teacher, Mrs. Finch. So they plot to expose her with like the transmitters and wolf banes and she suspects him and is like, stay after class, buddy. Um, Lydia gets Malia to knock her out to connect to Halloween and she realizes is that he's not quite dead um scott gives mrs finch the phone and realizes that she was trying to call her daughter and doesn't know that they're all dead um lydia puts Holman in the mri but realizes that healing him might actually kill him because of the silver particles in there um mrs finch's daughter 
is Quinn, the werewolf the deputy shot, and she ends up showing up at the school, but it's not Quinn anymore. Um, Theo and Mason start arguing about being in the pack, and then Aaron comes along to grab them. Um, Scott and Liam end up going after Quinn. Aaron gets Theo to hurt him because he realizes that it hurts his other half so they can find each other and connect. Holland tells Lydia and Malia that they... Oh, um, you're done. Oh, I actually gave you an extra second because I didn't hit stop in time. I will say, I had no idea that that's what was happening between the two halves. I did not know why he picked that fight with Theo. Oh, yeah, because she kept, like, doubling over because she also felt that Theo's claws were, like, digging into Aaron because they're, like, connected, I guess. I consider myself good at watching TV, (laughs) but sometimes it's right over my head. It happens to the best of us. Particularly truly. the us of us. The, the people in this room who are watching Teen Wolf. Particularly the, those who inhabit Teen Wolf, Free Wolf HQ. Yes. Um, okay. Well, uh, now that you've been enlightened on that particular aspect of the episode, are you ready to do your recap? No. Okay. It's rude. Just <laughs> come on. Um, okay. Uh, on your mark, get set, and go. So the gang is in the vet clinic, and they listen to a voice on a primal phone, and Theo says that they need to hunt down Aaron again, and Scott goes, okay, well, Mason, if you agree, you have to join him. Oops. And then uh, Malia and Lydia are trying to uh, to get in touch with Holwyn, and then um, Mason and Theo go investigate the tunnels, and they feel the Anukate, and then Scott and Liam try to figure out the voicemail, and they figure out that it's the bio teacher, and then Lydia um, is trying to connect with Holwyn and realizes that she has to get knocked out, so Malia knocks her out, um, and really they realize that Holwyn is still alive. Scott makes Liam go to school and they try to test um, the bio teacher with like the wolfsbane and the emitters and it's not working and then um, the Lydia and Melinda realize they have to get the bullet out of um, Holwyn's head even though it's got silver around it and they're like oh shit the silver will kill him with silver poisoning or something and then they finally give Finch they like corner Finch the Miss Finch and they're like here's their phone and then she's like uh, I'm nobody like I'm not actually anything and they're like yes you are who are you trying to call and she's like it's my daughter and they were like oh well they're dead and then they figure out that Quinn is on the way but she's actually in the Anukate and in the tunnels Leo and Mason are fighting because the Anukate and Aaron is down there and then Aaron attacks them and then okay that is time okay okay did I yeah. I would say that was par mm-hmm. we, we we usually I feel like end up even in the end in these situations maybe okay let's break let's break down the rest let's wrap it up so the Anukate halves find each other mm-hmm. by hurting themselves or getting hurt or something in the library they make out and then one breaks the other's neck and then like absorbs like Aaron absorbs the spiders from Quinn ew the making out I thought was gratuitous and stupid I feel like they should have just fucking mighty morphin power ranger like Ethan and Aiden right I found that less gross or I mean they could have like pretended to be going in for a kiss and then Aaron kills her yeah oh i would have been even better because that's what's gonna happen eventually yes um the hunters are like in the school and then once the anukate is formed oh no lydia and malia get the bullet out of holland's head with an mri but it melts the silver and silver poisons him um i'm sorry i thought nothing could kill hellhounds i'm confusion are we trying to say that everything that killed the the chimeras was silver poisoning because that's what it looks like when he's dripping Silver Sharpie. Anywho, they did not... It really is Silver Sharpie. <laughs> it's literally just, like, I'm pretty sure it's just edible silver mixed in corn syrup. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, uh, and he's like, you, I'm going to die now, but you cannot look the, at the Anukate because it will kill you if you look at it. And then the Anukate shows up at the school, or the hunter shows up at the school, and the Anukate is there. And then, like, medusifies them. Turns them into stone. Although, I will say that when they fall to the ground, they sound very human. And not like rocks. All right, you can take that up with Foley. Um, 
Uh, Which is usually pretty good on Teen Wolf, actually. Oh, so. yeah. Generally, yeah. So, whatever. Um, the gang gets, uh, or Scott gets Mrs. Finch to heal, and they get out of there. And she's an alpha. She's an alpha. Mm, very importantly. Bad bitch. I cool. guess. Girl power. Girl boss. Um, <laughs> they get out of there. Lydia explains that they can't look at the Anukate. Uh, Scott and Malia have sex in the shower. Okay. We ha- well, no, it's just funny because I'm like, well, it's been a while since we've actually seen any sex in the show, which is kind of like one of the core intrigues about it at the beginning when people are like this like scandalous, sexy teen show. And it's been like a really long time. But now it's like because it's been a long time and because we're at the end of the season, it feels very shoehorned in. So I'm like, this is fun. I, cool. Oh, I didn't dislike it. It but- just felt not in, in place. It should have been in the, it should have been, they should have gotten together sooner and had it, that been closer to the beginning of the season. Yeah. I mean, I think 6B has a lot of issues with tone in yeah. episodes. Oh, and yes. Yeah. That, that's a it great didn't example. Fit the, yeah. It didn't fit the tone of the episode. All for it generally. Just, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the Anukate shows up and Gerard and it's in the hospital and it, it strikes a deal with Gerard about killing Scott. <laughs> can i just say yeah no you can't actually <laughs> i just find that so boring like it's so boring yeah all gerard has ever wanted to do is get rid of scott like ew that is okay. really boring boring <laughs> like just that it keeps happening i know it's just over and over and over again well it's funny because other people have similar mentality like peter is always was always at least a little bit trying to get rid of scott but also had other shit to deal with you know yeah and like Peter getting rid of Scott is like about Peter gaining power and um I don't know Gerard just wants to murder Scott. Gerard just got his ego busted <laughs> and is like I got to kill this teenager before it goes to my head even though it definitely already has. Mm-hmm. Like I'm sorry you got embarrassed in front of your family, but like <laughs> anybody who's ever been to a Christmas celebration <laughs> has experienced that. Get over it, dude. Um or whatever winter holiday you celebrate. I mean, you mean to tell me that Gerard's never had a bad Thanksgiving? I find that hard to believe. I find it hard to believe. I actually think that every Argent Thanksgiving has to be miserable. Absolutely horrific. Yeah. Yeah. Can't imagine. No. Um, Anyway, so we're going to be talking about this episode through the theme of futility. A lot of people are doing stuff to not have much stuff happen at all in this episode. Uh, Or the things that do happen, happen at a great cost. So where would you like to start? Um, I kind of want to start with... um, Scott and Liam. Yeah. Because I like talking about them. I, I like talking about them, too. And I feel like we haven't had... Well, I mean, like, because of the way the season was divided up, where you had to set up this this relationship with Malia and Scott, and then, like, Liam had nowhere else to go, so he's been spending all his time with Theo, mm-hmm. we haven't really seen a lot of them together, so it was kind of nice. Yeah. I enjoy seeing them together all the time, despite the fact that, like... Scott, I think, really wants to be kind of hands-off in this situation, and he wants to let Liam take charge, like we've seen before. Um, But it doesn't always work out the way that I think maybe he wants it to. What I think is interesting with what you're saying is that, like, Scott is kind of delegating a lot of tasks to Liam Mm -hmm. in this episode. He both knows that they have to get done, but isn't taking the initiative to do them some do them himself and it's like i don't really know if this is a teaching moment scott if you know like you know that phone call also needs to be made and you're playing hot potato with a phone with a you know 17 year old 
Oh, it's a, the moment where he's like, you wanted to make this. So you you wanted to do this. You take the call. Which would be fine if it was like an interaction between him and Styles because they are like, um, they situationally like have similar status. It's a very different power dynamic. Very different power dynamic. So when Scott is doing stuff like that, it reads to me that he's already given up a little bit. Mm-hmm. You know, he's experiencing this as a very futile situation and is like, go, Liam. Ra rah, siskumba. Like, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> I think he wants to kind of honor what Liam is thinking because, unless I'm misremembering this, that's entirely possible. Um, sure is. You know, Theo, I think, makes the most valid point in this, like, initial conversation when they're all in the vet's office without Deaton, um, where he's like, well, Aaron's the known quantity. Why aren't we focused on taking care of him? Mm-hmm. Because if we know where he is, we can keep him from reuniting with the other uh half of the Anukate and Liam's like yeah but like what if we get to the other half of the Anukate and Scott kind of wants to be like yeah Liam you're right too even though they probably would be better concentrating all of their efforts like all of them to find Aaron yeah yeah well I mean that if it it doesn't you know it's not lost on me that the smartest person in the room agrees with Theo Mm -hmm. and does not want to pursue this lead with him because he does not like Theo, <laughs> but does because he knows that that's like probably the most accurate way of, you know, stopping what happens at the end of this episode mm-hmm. is dealing with one half and then, you know, worrying about the other later. Scott seems really unsure, you know? Honestly, kind of what I think that is, is that Scott has been in so many situations where, like, the preventative measures that he has taken haven't worked out. Especially in, you know, 6A with everything that they did to try to protect the people who had seen the Ghost Riders. um, And they all get taken anyway. And eventually, like, they're the only people left and there was nothing that he could have done to prevent it. So he expended this, like, insane amount of energy Mm -hmm. trying to prevent the inevitable. And I think perhaps he's coming to a realization that, like, it is, maybe it is inevitable that the Anukate will reunite. Yeah. And that might not be something he wants to, like, fully grasp. But, you know, eventually then Scott has to fight whatever it was that he couldn't prevent from happening. Well, I will say, I think that that instinct can very much be subconscious, especially with what the Anukate does to people. Mm -hmm. Even if he's not consciously thinking, like, we, you know, we're done for, he's clearly not putting in the, you know, what I would call the Scott McCall college try for this mm-hmm. one, you know, yeah. he's, he's being passive, which is not exactly something that we read from his character regularly. So I think that there is quite clearly something that has gotten to him. Mm-hmm. And Liam is really having to put on his big boy pants in like, you know, the face of that. And he has to go to school after the last time he was in that classroom, he got his ass absolutely handed to him by Gabe and Nolan in one of the most, I think, like affecting fight scenes in the show. I would agree. Um, And there are so few people in that classroom. So few. Um, And Gabe sits next to him like immediately and narks on him for being there. Um, But like Liam puts himself in that incredibly vulnerable position because he really thinks that if he's able to get to Mrs. Finch, that she can help them or answer questions. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think it feels like a last resort. Mm-hmm. 
a Hail Mary, yeah. if you will. Well, I mean, like, he doesn't want to go. Scott mm-hmm. drives him to school and is like, okay, go, you know? Because, mm-hmm. I mean, Scott really can't just show up in class. One, because he doesn't attend school there anymore. And two, because he is public enemy number one. But he can't just, like, hang out in the school for whatever yeah. reason. Yeah. Um, as if, like, there aren't hallway monitors. Even if you go to, like, a really safe school in a really safe school district. There are cameras. Yeah. That people are looking at. There especially <laughs> should be cameras in this fucking school. Jeez. Everybody gets murdered. I know. Um, but, yeah, I mean, like, he is sort of at the mercy of Scott's, like, fatalistic attitude. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously does a lot to end up, you know, getting Mrs. Finch to admit to you know being a werewolf and um that is really sad um but it ultimately like pushing her in that direction does save her life once scott is finally able to get her to shift but right now it really sort of feels like these two are um yeah like liam is just sort of being pushed around by like scott's passivity Mm-hmm. yeah it's kind of frustrating to watch um it is i mean it's nice to watch like theum you know buck up and go theum <laughs> what the hell <laughs> liam <laughs> jesus it really is like it just gets in your a brain of because, the tongue no, yeah. well no it's not this is not like a freudian slip because i'm sure people <laughs> are gonna try to like challenge it it's just that we have only been talking about them together and mm-hmm. ca- i cannot say their names separately now um, I don't know that the showrunners knew what they were doing, but it is confusion. It, it's just like, I consider myself a native English speaker. <laughs> I do, you know? I'm a native English speaker. I think other people would consider you that I think as so, well. too, as it, as, because I don't really speak any other languages. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, 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 the sounds of Theo and Liam together is so complicated for my <laughs> brain. Like, it just... Your no. rat brain, yeah. My rat brain, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, I yes, <laughs> nothing going on up here. So pronunciation and like enunciation just goes out the window. Mm-hmm. Um. Anyway, so Liam, where was I? <laughs> um. I don't know. I all of the effort that they put in to getting Mrs. Finch to kind of come out and say that she's a werewolf, um, and admit that like she's connected to the pack. Um, I mean, that is all ultimately kind of futile because like, yes, she heals and saves herself and they find a new ally, but her daughter and her whole pack is dead. Yeah. And nothing that she does now is going to save them. And I don't think that, I mean, the Anugate halves unite. Um, so neither Scott nor Liam have accomplished what they set out to do. Mm hmm. And again, like maybe Scott thought that that was never an option in the first place. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Well, and then, you know, when you think about Mrs. Finch and like, you know, her fatalism, if you find out your entire family is dead, yeah, you probably wouldn't want to save yourself either. Mm -hmm. It takes like forced effort on Scott's part to get her to do it. And like, I wouldn't. Not in that yeah. situation. I'd be like, no, like, this is horrible. Take me too. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it, it is an interesting, you know, to like, a lot of this, like, the efforts in this episode are like, okay, to what end? Yeah, nobody, there is nothing that's actually accomplished at the end of this episode beyond the fact that Lydia learns that you can't look at the Anukate that feels like we've made progress. Yeah. Um, 
similar similarly to the oh well we didn't actually make progress during the ghost riders when we put everybody in the bunker they all just got taken anyway yeah honestly a lot of teen wolf is just like running through water like you're moving Mm -hmm. but you're certainly not going anywhere (laughs) um let's move on let's talk about malia and lydia the girls the girls i love seeing them get to interact together i don't know (laughs) i think the idea one can you really i feel like that's a slumber party trick hmm like pressing on somebody's chest so they pass out i don't know i feel like it you know it's like the you know light as a feather stiff as a board thing i'm not 100 percent sure i'm not a doctor um nor do i play one on television so i couldn't tell you okay um i feel like there were they're literally in a hospital with like so many ways to put people like lightly unconscious that yeah. may or may not have been safer. Well, I'll say I don't really know because it's not like Melissa is there to administer the correct amount of like sedative mm-hmm. and no one else is going to help them. And I don't trust Molia with a syringe. No, certainly not. So uh, maybe this is the best way to do it. Um, it's interesting. What I really liked about that moment is that Lydia just trusted Malia to do it. She was like, you can't knock me out with a hammer. A little mallet. A little mallet. <laughs> And Leah's like, this will be dangerous, as if she didn't just threaten to hit her with a hammer. Um, In the brain. Their efforts are not entirely fruitless. They do find out that you can't look at the Anukate. They get this very big piece of information from Halloween, um, who, if I were him, I'd be like, you guys should have just left me other dead, because this is worse. This sucks. But they spend this whole episode, well, they spend a big part of this episode trying to figure out how to contact him. Mm-hmm. And once Lydia is unconscious, actually, I think that is one of the better hallucination scenes we've seen in a really long time. Oh, I really, really liked it. I thought the directing was really good. I thought the lighting was particularly interesting. Like, mm-hmm. the fact that we sort of had, like, a flashing light, like the backlights came on, the forward lights came on, mm-hmm. as she walked down the hallway, I thought, that was really good it was a really it was also really warm toned yeah it's kind of like the the moments from Eichenhaus that I kind of liked directing wise from season five um warmed up Mm -hmm. and I I particularly liked the moment when Halwyn busts out of his cage and um grabs Lydia and they fall through the wall Mm -hmm. I really liked that imagery I liked it it was cool yeah but they spend half of this episode trying to figure out how to do that. And then they spend the other half trying to get the bullet out of his head only to realize that it's going to kill him. That they're going to ha- they're going to have to kill somebody to get, you know, this last bit of information out of him and that's an incredible ask and Lydia does not want to do it at first. Yeah, logistics aside, um they are essentially deciding whether he lives or dies and they don't really discuss this, but like there is an, an alternate situation where they could have figured out how to get the bullet out without activating the silver or maybe not. I don't know, because he starts to heal. Well, OK, here's a question. Mm-hmm. Where's Deaton? Where is he? Deaton might have had an answer for that. He could have done he could have done, you know, surgery to remove the silver fragments. Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't really make any sense um but basically like they are trying to choose between leaving him mostly dead Mm -hmm. and then waking him up maybe getting some information and then he's like really actually totally fully dead yeah which is kind of like you know you're they have his life in their hands and Malika doesn't really see that as big of a deal as it is maybe well I think Malia sort of understands Halwyn as a like 
like as a um symbol basically Mm -hmm. she understands him only as far as his agenda goes and that's to keep the anukate unlock whereas lydia who has these very personal relationships with hellhounds and other like harbingers and like you know surveyors of death see Mm -hmm. feels him and understands him so much more as a person basically because she's been in his head yeah literally um and so they are at odds in that way where she kind of can't separate the two anymore because she because of this and malia basically is like listen dude this is our only option and Mm -hmm. it's what he wanted out of his life yeah there was a moment that i really liked in that conversation where lydia is kind of accusing malia and she's like you know you don't want to make a decision you've already decided and you just want to do it i liked that as well which i think is a fantastic observation and also because like ultimately malia is right like, it sucks that this is the only option. Um, but It is the only option so far as this episode is concerned. I'm telling you, there were other things you could have done, Deaton. Yes. Um, but I think Malia, um, I think, recognizes perhaps the futility of keeping the haves away from each other because she has seen what the Anukate can do just kind of like on its own. Mm-hmm. And that possibly seems like inevitable to her. So the next step, if you can't keep the haves from reuniting is finding out, well, what the hell are we supposed to do once they do get back together? Yeah. And I think for her, she accomplishes her priority. Yeah. I mean, I ultimately think that like, while saving him was futile, they their goal was to figure out was to get information about the Anukate. You know, mm-hmm. I don't think that they were ever like, well, he's just going to wake up and save us. No. Although I'd like to know where Parrish is. Where I think you brought this up a couple episodes ago that like once Halwyn is gone, like the keeper of the Anukate should be like passed down. It should be to Parrish. Well, and especially because we have not talked about this like since that particular episode, but we know that it's not just Parrish in there and it's not just the Hellhound. Like, there are the two of them and the Hellhound is like a separate entity. So it should know mm-hmm. what the Anukate is about. Oh, Teen Wolf doesn't remember what they wrote. Which is... But I actually think that that's so interesting. I think it is too, yes. <laughs> I think the concept that like you have... Like both Parrish and the Hellhound have to exist with inside the same vessel is really interesting. Yes. That the Hellhound can't succeed without Parrish is fascinating. Um, but we never talk about it ever again. And he is not the one who's going to go after the Anukate for some reason. Yes. Um, but like I think like they did complete their task but they did it paying like what is the ultimate price and like loss Mm -hmm. of life and you know it's funny because I think that like I'm sitting here being like well you know maybe if they'd figured this out earlier something would have helped you know Mm -hmm. if they had been able to know that you can't look it in the eyes when it does this would Scott have left to go fight Aaron instead Mm-hmm. Um, but they spend so much time wrestling with how futile the situation is that they can't, they can't do it until the end. They mm-hmm. can't, you know, achieve their task. I like watching them together as always. I think that they have really good observances of each other's personality, as you were pointing out with the, like, you've already decided type of thing. Mm-hmm. And I think that they have a really interesting and underexplored dynamic of how sort of rash and like straightforward Malia is and how measured Lydia is and I wish that we saw way more scenes of it Teen Wolf 
Yeah, I we have consistently praised Teen Wolf for its depiction of male friendships, and to a certain extent they do that with Allison and Lydia, but it gets pushed so far to the wayside of getting to see like female friendships on this show, and that kind of bumps me out, but I do like seeing them together. Um, yes. I agree. Um, let's chat about Mason and Theo. Mason and Theo have never had a moment alone together ever on screen. This is the first time they've ever been just two characters in a room. Very interesting dynamic. Yeah, I really liked watching them together. Well, it's really interesting to me because right now, because we have not seen any scenes with Theo and Malia in a while either, Mm -hmm. um, it kind of feels like because Liam and Theo... Oh, I said it right that time. Nice. Booyah. Nice. Are becoming friends that there is an element of forgiveness toward Theo. But Mason is here to be like, absolutely not. I don't trust you. He's really honest about the fact that he thinks that like Theo's helping can only be self-serving. Mm-hmm. He's like, I should be. And this is obviously partially the Anuka the talking, but he was like, he's like, I should be scared that you're going to kill me the second I turn my back on you, because that's what I understand you to be. And also you turned me into the beast. So and that is such an underexplored thing between the two of them, because like Liam, you know, hates him for whatever reason. Scott hates Theo for whatever reason. Theo is the reason that Mason went through all of that and has to like sit with the weight of that guilt forever man not that you'd ever know yeah that that's what he's going through Teen Wolf doesn't bury their dead um yeah but I really liked it and you know it's not just I think the way that Mason feels um about what Theo did to him but you know he even brings up the fact that like Theo killed Scott he did and you know Mason saw what that did to his mother he saw what that did to Liam like he really feels that what Theo has done in his past is kind is really perhaps not unforgivable but incredibly difficult to overcome well I think he's in terms of futility telling Theo yeah you can't actually make up for what you've done like you've made your bed now lie in it and again these feelings are obviously exacerbated by Aaron's presence which they don't even know about until that scene where they're having that fight Mm -hmm. but it's interesting to me that this is where the interpersonal element of this episode comes from yeah I mean I think Theo is constantly kind of struggling against the futility that he feels or sees in terms of like trying to join the McCall pack like he is not stupid he clearly knows that people don't trust him and he's trying to win them back, mm-hmm. um, even though he knows that, like, his odds of being accepted into the pack are, like, slim to none. Well, it's also interesting because it's not like he's making massive efforts. You know, he's not showing up at Scott's house being like, let me help you. No, but he does show up consistently. He's showing up consistently, and he's sort of being, like, a satellite pack member to be, like, Liam's number two guy or whatever. Mm-hmm. His deputy? His friend, I guess. I suppose. (laughs) Yeah, I mean... (laughs) His frenemy? His frenemy, yeah. Um, And, you know, it's interesting that Corey's picking up on that and being like, yeah, that's not, like, no. Mason? Yes. Sorry. I mean, where's Corey? But, like... Mason. Yeah, Yeah, Mason. I actually... You want to know why I said that? I was reading a note (laughs) on my page that says, wait, where's Corey? Yeah. Where is he? 
where is he? Yeah. But anyway, like, I think this is interesting that their fight brings up, like, the idea that there is no reconciliation to be had in Beacon Hills, which is obviously, like, deeply concerning considering the greater theme of this season. Mm -hmm. So this little, like, fight that they have is emblematic of the way that the fear is radiating outward, and that's why I think it's, it's so interesting. And then Theo does end up saving him from Aaron to be like... That's it. But then he tries to take Mason, Mason's pain, and Mason's like, it only it only works if you cares. Oof. If you care. Oof. Interesting. But you know how, like, Malia has to work really hard to take Scott's pain? Mm-hmm. I don't, know I don't think it's either. a lack of caring. I don't think it's a lack of caring either. I Well, I think, like, empathy is a skill that you can practice, and um, Theo is just doesn't have it at yeah, all. It's just he's, he's get you know, Malia had to do it too. She had to relearn how to care about people. Yeah. Uh, shall we move into cues and nose? Let's do it. Do you have any questions? I mean, like a million, but it's not questions that anybody could answer for me. Okay. Um, you know, we've already talked about the parish thing. Um, I actually okay. I'm wondering if you have a thought about this because when Quinn shows up to Beacon Hills High School and her, yeah. and her mom goes up to her, um, we feel the fear that Mrs. Finch is feeling like it kind of like it, there's a wave of it that comes towards the camera, which I actually think is pretty cool. Um, and she like can't physically get close to her. And I'm just sitting here wondering how could Aaron have been at school testing all those werewolves? I actually think that two heads do, um, do different things interesting yes but he also like radiates fear yeah which we've seen but i also think it's a choice okay because at certain points it gets dialed up to 11 right i guess so yeah yeah okay interesting yeah i just that seemed off to me um but yeah what about you do you have any do you have any questions uh why the hell is silver killing a hellhound i already asked that but like this seems like a major um like retcon on what we know about hellhounds yeah also about silver in the show i understand i do think that like uh, a human being probably could be poisoned by having silver in their blood but he's not a normal human being no actually he just spent 100 years frozen in carbonite like i think he can deal (laughs) yeah i think he can deal uh i think he can get rid of it you know yeah he could just expel it from his body yeah my other question was where's Corey? a question that i asked just not a minute ago because i and got confused i just don't know like i don't feel like it was and maybe i missed something i should have totally missed something i'm sure we could get a dm about it but like i just don't know where Corey went after everybody did he actually just leave like when they were supposed to he was like deuces you guys stick around i'm leaving or has he just been invisible this entire time (laughs) that's possible but i do want to point out one of my observations that i think uh points to they just like disappeared Corey and didn't even think about it yeah which is that literally in the last episode mason and lydia had gunshot wounds they literally completely like vamoosed that like Mm -hmm. we're not we haven't seen melissa yet clearly she was far more hurt than the other two and like i assume that Raphael was the most hurt if he got airlifted to another hospital hospital yeah but like any gunshot wound i do not think that mason is exploring the tunnels with Theo. Almost certainly not. Because if, mm. if Lydia had a gunshot wound, she would not be like, yeah, it's medically okay if Malia makes me pass out. No. Lydia has gone through so much 
like physical trauma in this show the people are like actually that didn't count that they, didn't matter. Yeah, they like ragdoll her, and it's really upsetting that we never see the repercussions or like her own experiences with those things. And it's especially frustrating when we know that Teen Wolf could do it, and they do it really well. Yeah, of showing the physical impact, but of, only for the only for the men in the show. Yeah, and you know what? The one other character who we actually had to watch them go through like the physical ramifications of their injuries was uh, Jennifer, and the plot they gave her was being sad that she was ugly. Yeah. Teen Wolf, what the F is wrong with you? Why would you do that? We're still not over it, apparently. No. (laughs) No. Or, like, Brayden, who's got all these scars, but, like, she's a badass, so we're never going to talk about it. No, never. She's just like, this is why I'm good at using guns. And we're all like, you and Derek are very sexy. Like, I don't really care about the rest of this plot line. Brayden doesn't have real emotions. Didn't you know that? She has real emotions for Derek. Mm, Yes, love. Yeah. I, where are they? I love them. They're anyway. having a good time. I hope. I hope. Oh, far away from Beacon Hills. Well, no, because Derek's in prison. <laughs> Derek is in South America. Okay. With Brayden, I assume. I, ho- I hope. But the FBI is on his tail. <laughs> we know because Dial saw him. Saw that clip from season one. <laughs> Plot twist. Uh, Derek is actually in Argentina killing Nazis. Ah, yes. Spinoff. Spinoff? Um, anyway. Anyway. Uh, observations. Observations. Theo's looking really cute. Okay, Theo looks good. I love that. I like, you know, it's funny because I feel like this was when we started pulling away from like the sort of um, like undercutty, like shaved at the sides, long on the top dude hair that was really popular back then. High and tight. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And not quite a high and tight because it was so long. Mm -hmm. Like that was the big thing in like 2016. And it's nice to see that they're not rocking that because honestly, these them having just like slightly longer hair is far more timeless than whatever that awful 2016 haircut was. Yeah. He looks really good. He looks great. I also had an observation about him looking good. There is this scene where he is. This was one of the directing choices I really liked, where he's walking backwards through the tunnels as he's talking to Mason, and as he talks, he walks out of the light, Mm. and then only just his face was lit, and it was to kind of be like, oh yeah, this guy still has some villainy in him, and it was was very good. I really liked that. I agree. Um, Yeah, I feel like I brought up a lot of my observations. I do want to point out that at the end of this episode, Gerard is like, I know you can't beat Scott physically. But the, but you can't kill the Anukate, so what's what's the dealio? That's not a question. That's just like, a, I don't understand. Yeah, you're just preemptively calling out Teen Wolf for yeah. being stupid. Cool, fine. Great. Do you have any observations you'd like to share with the class? I really already talked about the hallucination scene, mm-hmm. which I thought was so good. And challenges the form of the other ones. Like, I'm really happy we didn't watch her crawl out of a morgue. Um, yeah, because they were already fringe. there. Yeah. God. Or a locker. And I know that those are really common motifs about like being trapped and like stuck somewhere. I get it that that's a Teen Wolf thing, but I loved that it was warm tones. I loved the fire aspect of it. I loved the lighting. I thought that was really good. Um, I. Huh. I feel like I had more. I am just sort of like my biggest observation right now is how mismanaged character de- character like lines are through this season. Partially because we have an increase in our cast like from the season previous where we had a really small cast mm-hmm. and so everybody you could keep track of. But the fact that I'm losing sight of Corey 
for all of this time and Deaton and then like Monroe wasn't in this episode at all which was fine by me because again I didn't really want to think about the politics of this episode but like right like uh, no I, I we lost the fact that that Mason and Lydia were shot like we Melissa's not in this episode so they're cognizant of that but like it really feels like all of these plot lines are not happening at the same time and they're like letting characters fall off the bar the board basically yeah, I actually, that kind of goes to something that you brought up when we were watching, um, when we flashed to Scott's room, and it's, like, so pristine. It looks like a page out of the Pottery Barn teen catalog, mm-hmm. uh, versus, like, what it used to look like, and not in the way that, like, you mature and grow up, but it kind of looks a little fake It totally looks to me. fake. And that suggests, like, a lack of care to me. From the designers? From the designers, from, from like the show as a whole. I feel like there's a lack of care being given to this season and to these characters and the whole plot. Like it doesn't, it doesn't seem like something that was well thought out. No, no, Um, it doesn't. You're right. (laughs) Which we've been saying, but I think there's like ample evidence of that in different aspects of the show. I agree. I agree. Um, I think, no, Will you give us our Ooh. pack stats? We have. I yeah, know we actually. Got, we got a lot of shirts this time. Uh-huh. Yeah, we had six eyes. Six eyes. Two claws. Uh-huh. And five shirts. Uh, I, I'll be honest. I, like, was missing the Nike. So. Yeah. Yeah, we had Holwyn not wearing a shirt. Has he ever worn a shirt? I think no. no. Um, and then Nike counts for two. So yeah. five so. shirts. Um, no ads that I noticed. I mean, somebody probably drove a Toyota, but yeah, I didn't notice any ads either. And, um, I haven't heard any sirens and the radiator hasn't turned on all day. So no noises, no noises. That's essentially great. Yeah. Um, do you have an alpha of the week? Mm. <sighs> like Theo, I guess for saving Mason, Lydia, I guess maybe Lydia. Yeah. I'll get to Lydia for allowing herself to be knocked out i'm i'm gonna split it three ways i'm gonna give it to theo for saving mason i'm gonna give it to lydia for being the problem solver and i'm gonna give it to uh liam for doing whatever scott told him to do this episode poor baby i know i think that about wraps it up though so uh if you like this episode you can follow us on twitter at teen wolf underscore real which is also our instagram handle you can follow us on, t- on tumblr at teen wolf real on our facebook group teen wolf podcast if you really like this episode you can leave us a review on itunes if you leave us five stars in a review we'll read it out loud if you really really like this episode you can buy us a coffee ko-5.com forward slash channel real for buy one of our stickers on redbubble redbubble.com forward slash channel real other than that our bingo has been won hell yeah by our wonderful listener danny and we will be watching uh highlander as our final bonus episode i'm very excited um i'm excited as well julia's been trying to get me to watch this movie forever and other than that i've been christian i've been julia and we hope you guys have a wolf of a week Uh, Uh, Woo!